It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. Doing whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter if you want one less flower, one less weed, one more flower, or one more weed. That's all right with me. I'm not going to argue with you. Whatever you define as success in the garden world, you tell me, and I will help you get there. If you're an organic gardener or want to be an organic gardener, want some tips on how to get started, I can tell you how to do that. If you have bugs or creatures or critters in the attic and you want to know how to manage their manage their lives so they don't impact your life, then that's a good thing to ask me about as well. My number on the phone is sure, 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750 gets you into talk about gardening this morning. I want to talk a little bit about gardening because in a minute we'll be talking to my friend Abra Lee, who will be here as my guest to talk about gardening in Atlanta and in Georgia. But what I want to talk about are the trees that are blooming right now because every week it seems like someone sends me a picture, an email picture, and says, what is this? What is this? I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. And usually I recognize it as something very common, but you know, whoever emailed it simply had not seen it themselves before. And the one that is strikingly magnificent right now is the Kwanzan cherry. We've gone through the whole blooming cycle of cherries this spring. You've had the early in the spring, we had the autumn cherry, the uh, Okami cherry that started very early in January, February, when it started getting warm in January and February this year. So Okami came first. And then there was the, I guess Yoshino came right, well, yeah, Yoshino came right after that. Yoshino, actually, when I left the town, when I left the city to go to Vietnam and Cambodia back in February, the Okamis were just falling off. The petals were just falling off. The pink flowers, they were falling off. But the Yoshinos, when I got back, were all in full bloom. The Okamis were gone when I got back from Cambodia, but the Yoshino cherries were in full bloom. And then... The Yoshino cherry blossoms have fallen off, and now the Kwanzan cherries are blooming. Kwanzans are the, are the trees that have the pink, usually pink flowers, that are more carnation-like, big, puffy, puffy flowers. And one of the interesting things that you can do, and I hope you'll plan to do this, is if you have children, wait until, wait until some of the petals are starting to fall off. And then go out and tell the kids, hey, kids, you want to be in a snowstorm right here in April? Sure, stand underneath the tree, and I want to jiggle the limbs. And the petals of the Kwanzaa cherry will fall onto the kids if you jiggle the limbs, just like a snowstorm. And they'll dance and sing and go around and around in the snow made by the petals of the, uh, of the tree there. Kwanzaa cherry blooming right now. Of course, the red buds are just about finished right now. The red buds are the ones that have the flowers along the stem of the tree. And uh, purple usually, although there's some that are white, some that are sort of a very light pink uh, red buds, but there are lots and lots of different red buds that are blooming right now. And uh, uh, just almost finished right now, I guess. But if you have other plants, other trees, other things you want to identify, give me a call. Again, 404-872-0750. We go to the phones with my friend J.D. down in College Park. Hey, J.D., welcome to Lawn and Garden. 
Good morning, Walter, and thanks for taking my call. How you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing great. What's, what's going on, J.D.? Well, I'd like to know, is it too late to put down my fescue sod now? Hmm. And the other question I have is my elephant ear uh, plants. I want to know, uh, how do I go about pruning them? It's about nine feet tall, oh. and it leaves about 14 inches uh, wide. Okay, and I kept, it, I kept it inside the garage, you know, yeah. in the wintertime when it would get real, real cold around yeah. freezing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the fescue first, J.D. Uh, for okay. sod, yeah, you can plant it now, no problem. The soil is just about to warm up, and so fescue sod would like a little bit of good temperature in the soil for it to warm, for it to uh, okay. root down, I mean. And so right. things are, I think, conspiring to be in favor of planting fescue sod right now. Seeds is... It would get in the late part of the spring, but you could, I guess, plant fescue seed now if you wanted to, but side would be a whole lot safer to get it done now. Right. To get rooted down. Okay, now the elephant ear you kept in the garage, did you say, all winter long, J.D.? No, uh, only uh, only during the, uh, the days, uh, the nights when the temperature oh, was okay. below freezing, yes. And what kind of container did you have it in? It's a big ceramic pot, like about 24, 25 inches wide, and... Uh, How did you, did you have it on about, wheels? Did you lift it? What did you do? Oh yes, I, I have it on. A, you're right. I have it on. Look, uh, the little casters, you know, and yeah. on. You have to move it around. It's very, very heavy. JD, yeah. you're a crazy man. Uh, <laughs> one of the things you could have done, JD, is you could right. have simply cut the leaves off back in the fall when the when the leaves started turning brown and it got cold outside, and simply kept the bulb, kept the the corm, the you know, the big fleshy thing that the leaves come out of. And you could have just kept that in the garage and not had to bring it in, bring it out, bring it in on the casters oh. all winter long. If you want to oh. do it, okay. But you didn't have to do what you did. It was a lot of work. So yes, the answer for how, how to prune the elephant ear is, frankly, I would wait until you know the temperature at night is going to be reliably in the 50s. So as soon as Kirk Miller says tomorrow's going to be 50, the day after that, 50 would be the high, it would be the low at night. After that, 52 the low at night. As soon as you know the nighttime temperatures would be in the 50s and above, you could take uh -huh. it out permanently and not have to bring it in at night. And once you take it out permanently, I would, I think, cut the leaves off of it, JD, and let it renew itself and have new leaves on it. I think it'd just be better for the plant to renew itself, take the leaves that are on there now off. Let the new leaves come on. Just cut. How, how low do I cut the leaves? Oh, you cut them down to the down to the corm, down to the bulb. Really? Yeah. Sure. All of them? Yeah. Walter, how many do you have on it, JD? Oh gosh, leaves are there must be about twelve. Uh, twelve Good. leaves. Yeah. Sebastian, you are. Yeah. It's beautiful. My, my hat is off to you, J.D. You have worked so hard, and now I'm telling you to cut those leaves off, and you're saying, wait a minute, I took this thing in and out and in and out for months, and he wants yeah, me to cut those leaves. They are rather split. They have split it, you know, or split, Walter, you know. And yeah. If you don't want to do it, if you don't want to cut the leaves off, it's not going to hurt it, I don't think. Leave them over there. See what happens. Report back in June sometime, J.D., and let me know what goes on. Okie dokie then. All right, I'll do it. All right. Thank you, sir. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take J.D.'s place. We'll talk to Nicole and Griffin just a minute after the break. Let's talk to Jimmy and Buford about his grass right now. Hey, Jimmy, good morning. Yes, sir. How you doing this morning? Fine, Jim. What's going on? Good, good. Hey, I've got a sod yard, and over the winter there's some green. It looks blue. It's so green, it's blue. It's a little short grass, but it's got a little stem on it with hundreds of little seeds. Yeah. 
Um, that's aggravating. I'm, my, my, whole, my, my, my whole yard is brown, and I've got these yeah. little patches of green grass. Yeah. And the yard, and the yard guy was spraying my neighbor's yard. And I asked him, I, I said, can you get rid of these? He said, yeah, but it'll take three or four or five sprays. Yeah. What kind of grass, and how do, how, other than sitting on my fish and pulling it, how do I get rid of these things? <laughs> when you say it's aggravating, Jimmy, there are a lot of people out there who perked up listening to the show right now and said, it's maddening. I hate that darn grass. It's called annual bluegrass. This is the name of the weed, annual bluegrass, or poa annua, some people call it. And it is hard to get rid of, Jim. It is very hard. The way that you typically try to manage the numbers is in the fall, sometime in September, put a chemical down on the ground called a pre-emergent. Pre-emergents keep the seeds of annual bluegrass from germinating during the wintertime because it germinated back in October, November of last year. And so if you can keep those seeds from germinating and sprouting, then the bluegrass won't be there for you to sit on your bottom and pull up in the spring. So the key, though, is very persistent application of the pre-emergent. You have to do it at the right time of year, early September. You have to do it uh, down, you put the granules down first, and then you water it in. That's really important that you water the stuff in to dissolve it into the soil. And uh, be very persistent about doing that every year. And if you have a little breakout around the corner, sometimes it is probably better to go out and just pull it up. Just so you don't so, let those seeds uh, develop and drop to the ground. We're talking about this is a true weed, or is it like a true turf-type grass? Weeds are in the eye of the beholder. If I this heard, plant, as long as it's green, leave it alone. Well, <laughs> That's the way most people think. If you leave it alone, it'll turn brown in May and June. You'll have little dead patches, little brown dead patches uh, all over your lawn where the bluegrass is now. So in some parts of the country, annual bluegrass, yes, is used as a, as a lawn grass. But in the South, because it dies when it gets hot, we call it a weed because we don't like the look or how it looks in the South. You, you, you set a mouth there. Yeah. If it makes you mad, Jimmy, it is uh, a weed. If it makes you happy, then it is a flower and you keep it. That's how you know what you got. If it makes you happy, it's a flower. It's 617 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back right after this. 617 in the Cool Ray Carrier WSB 24-hour traffic center. Road work suspended on the major interstates. For this is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9 for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. Every Saturday morning for me. A quick weather update brought to you, brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, cloudy, high of 72, 20% chance of rain during the day. Tonight, low of 50, and a 50% chance of rain or thunderstorms overnight. Tomorrow, Sunday, cloudy, high of 81 degrees tomorrow, and again, a 20% chance of rain. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Our friend Nicole from Griffin comes up right this very minute. Hi, Nicole. Mr. Reeves. Mr. Nicole, good morning. Perfect. Good morning. Perfect day to dig up some old outside, isn't it? It's going to be a great day. 72 degrees, perfect temperature to be outdoors. Uh, I go in South Georgia, yeah. in North Florida, two, three times a week, and it's breaking my heart. The seed are not in the ground. Uh, is it too wet down there? What's going on with the, with the farmers right now, Nicole? 
Oh, Mr. Reeve, Mr. Isaacson is trying the best he can, but the money is not there. And the farmer, you know how it is, if they cannot put the seed in the ground, they have to, uh, from one year to the other, they have a hard time. That's the only way they can survive. It has been really frustrating for them and certainly for the farmers, but Johnny Isaacson and David Perdue, and then the farmers themselves who are waiting, 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 waiting for disaster relief funds to come through. And those of us who will enjoy or perhaps not enjoy the produce from the people who grow it in South Georgia, it's just a delayed effect on us, Nicole. What we see happening down there, what you see happening down there is disaster for the food sources in Georgia. But it comes several months down the road when the farmers maybe can't plant their crops now. No food. Yeah, no food. We don't want to think about that. And the, no farmer, no food. That's the bottom line. Soybeans, cotton. What, what do you see about the pecan trees down there, Nicole? Have you seen a lot of pecan trees knocked down? Yes, and big old guy. Yeah. I mean, that's what Mr. Isaacson was saying. He said it takes 12 years wow. to produce a crop. And those old trees, they are just on the side. And uh, it's impossible to go and get them, so it affects other trees. And they get to the point that they don't clean up around the trees, you know, and then the bugs go If there's a positive thing about the pecan groves being knocked down and damaged by the storm, Nicole, it is that it gives farmers, the pecan farmers, a chance to put in new, improved varieties of pecans. Like you said, sometimes it takes 10, 5, 10 years before they really start producing heavily. But there are so many pecan groves in South Georgia that are made up of older pecan varieties that get diseases pretty easily that are not quite as vigorous as some of the newer ones are. And farmers you know, didn't want to knock down the trees just to improve them based on whim. But when the storm came and knocked them down dead, down to the ground, now farmers are getting newer, improved varieties. And maybe in five or ten years, they will sort of be thankful for the storm, that it really made them change and get better pecans. I mean, on the other side, they are lucky. They are University of Georgia, you know, around Tifton. Sure, sure. They help them a lot because they give them the number, new number of cotton over the air mm-hmm. to see what kind of cotton they're going to plant and everything. But then again, if the soil is not turned, this wheat, this nurseries wheat, the red one and the yellow one. Yeah. Do you know which one I'm talking Let's about? See, if you talk about weeds down there, you may be looking at canola. Canola is blooming right now. Canola has yellow flowers. It's a big field. Is it planted in yellow flowers right now? It's not planted. It's just a weed that oh. the, the the field are red and pink red. And I know this weed. If you let it go and seed, it will take over the whole field. Yeah, red it might be, be broom sage or something like that. When broom sage is young, it has a red seed head. It turns red, makes whole fields turn red. Oh yeah, if you, see, if you see it in your garden, you have to go and get the yeah, seed out because out. I can see we only have thirty seconds to call, but I do want to tell you I envy you being able to drive through South Georgia, see all the things you do see, and I'm happy that you every Saturday give us something to, to think about. Think about farming, gardening, and the environment around us. Thanks for calling, Nicole. We'll see you next Saturday. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. Thanks for calling. It's six twenty-seven at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. 
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 635, 59 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, a Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful. Whatever question you have about gardening this morning, we are here to help. 404-872-0750 is the number. In just a minute, we'll talk to Jan and Aquith about her Japanese maple that has baby trees. She wants to know if she can start new ones. Richard in Kennesaw has a great question. Is one fertilizer better than another? That's a great question, Richard. Stick around. We'll be with you in a minute. Martin wants to know about how to control cherry laurels. Martin, I was just pruning some yesterday in hopes of controlling them in my yard. Susan Decatur wants to know how to control lyrio. Well, I have an idea about how to control lyrio, too. I have a guest, have a guest in the studio this morning, Abra Lee. Abra and I have known each other for... Step up to the microphone and tell me, Abra. I would say... Maybe around 2009, 2010. What were you doing when we first met? I was the landscape manager at Hartsfield-Jackson, Atlanta International Airport, back when it was popping. <laughs> Did you not? Were you never at Home Depot? No, I worked at Pikes. Oh, I was an intern Pike, there. Yep. Intern mm-hmm. at Pikes. Okay. I remember some, inter- some, some gardening environment that I knew you through. But the main thing that I knew was when you were doing the landscaping at Hartsfield-Jackson because that was where we gave you all those awards for being a great uh, landscape designer at Hartsfield. That's right, yep. And that was 2000 when? That was, um, I would say, 08, 09, 010, uh-huh. around that time. It's, it's changed tremendously now. So though. you were there for how many years? A couple of years? I was there for five years, and oh. then I went to Houston to go be landscape manager at Bush Airport. Uh-huh. And I know whenever I'd come out of the Atlanta uh, airport and I see the great big clock, the big floral yes. clock that you installed there, I thought, I know her. I know the yes. woman who put that in here. She yes. did a great job with that. And so then you went to Houston, the Bush Airport, did the... Uh, Landscaping over there. I did mm-hmm. and for then, three years. And then I came back to Atlanta mm-hmm. and I worked with UGA Extension mm-hmm. for two years. I've been around the way. <laughs> yeah. And next month I'll be leaving. I have a fellowship, a 13-month fellowship at Longwood Gardens in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. What are you going to do? So I will be learning about leadership in public horticulture and working with a lot of people who are very knowledgeable about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get to go to around the world as part of the trip too, right? Kind of, sort of, yeah, I'll have a six-week, I'm sorry, an eight-week international assignment overseas. Uh-huh. So it'll either be uh, France, China, Singapore, I think Canada or Mexico. Yeah, one of those Good places. heavens. Good yeah. heavens. It's a Auburn, tough job. <laughs> an Auburn graduate here. That's right, Auburn War Eagle. Here. Come War through Eagle Tigers. Tonight, <laughs> we'll do, uh, the uh, War Eagles and the Cavaliers playing basketball tonight. Well, I want to ask Abra to help me answer some of these questions. First in line, we'll go to, I guess, Jan and answer her question about her baby trees that she has in her yard. Hey, Jan, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. So what do you what do you have, Jan? Okay, I have two Japanese maples, red ones, and they're about 20 years old now. And yeah. this year I noticed that there are um, little baby trees under in the mulch underneath that, those trees and my oak trees. And I was wondering if I could dig them up, and I was thinking I could put them in styrofoam cups and, and grow new trees. What do you Is think, Amber? What do you think she should do? With the little baby maple trees underneath her big tree, what do you think she should do? I do think that you can dig them up and transplant them into a smaller container. Um, 
When you say they're little, are there, like, how many inches are you talking about? This is little seedlings. I just noticed in the mulch under my oak trees and the other trees that there, I saw the little red leaves coming up in there in my yard. This is everywhere. So okay. little three or four inches high, maybe, Jen? Maybe about a couple inches, two yeah. to three inches high, maybe. Okay. You're going to be babysitting them for a while <laughs> if you do do that. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying that, you know, be patient and... <laughs> You're gonna. They're gonna be a part of your life for a long time while you watch okay. them grow. Yeah. But I, I thought I could try it. Do I need to put any uh, like uh, black cow or something in the cups? I would get potting soil. Just regular. Old, just uh, just stick a okay. hole in the bottom of the cup so it drains. You know, take a pencil or a stick or something. Put a hole in the bottom of your styrofoam cup. Fill it with potting soil and sort of as you put the potting soil in, transplant one of the babies into each cup. And uh, where should she keep them, Abra? Where would she keep them as she babysits these trees? I would keep them in a, a lightly shaded area is what I would do. Um, make sure they're getting some sun, but not like full-on scorching sun because they're little and you don't want them to. The cup's going to dry out quicker if it's a smaller cup. So Okay. Yeah, I would do that. and um, Inside, maybe? No, no. not light. No, not okay. sunlight. But okay. like under the dogwood outside exactly. is where I think we have some, a little bit of sunlight peeking through the leaves, but it's not scorching. Sun as Abra okay. says. Yeah. Okay. And then after they get to about a foot tall, which would be maybe by the fall even, you might, uh, not might, you should during the summer collect some gallon pots because you'll be moving them up from the styrofoam cups into gallon pots to grow them on a little bit further until they're around two feet tall. When they're two feet tall, Jen, it is time to put them in their final home in the landscape or give them to your friends, depending on how many dozen of these you have succeeded in growing. And you can then be, you know, Jan Jan the Maple Lady. Sell them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We will see. But that's how you do it. I think Abra's giving you good advice, and you can transplant them and uh, report in and let us know how it works out. I will. Thank you so much. You bet, Jan. Thanks for calling. we got Richard in Kennesaw who joins us. Hey, Richard, good morning. Morning, how are you, Walt? Doing fine, Richard. What's up? Yeah, I've got, I went in my basement the other day, and I noticed I got 12 different kinds of fertilizer. Yeah. I've bought over the years. And started thinking to myself, I'm going, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it, I guess they probably expire. There's probably a shelf life, et cetera. So I'm thinking, I'm going, well, so is there just like one general fertilizer? I mean, do you need one for fruits and vegetables and tomatoes, you know, et cetera? I just kind of was curious. You know, even though those fertilizer products all have labels on, Richard, I have not yet found a tomato or a fescue or an oak tree or a pecan that could read those labels. If you exactly. find a plant who could read those labels, please let me know. I would like to know more about that. But um, no, you don't need all those fertilizers. I know that the label says tomato fertilizer for this and flower blooming fertilizer for that and lawn fertilizer for something else. But in general, you can get by with a with a fertilizer that has a relatively high first number, but not really, really high. I'm thinking 16.48 or 12.66 or something like that. Something that has a relatively 10, 12%, 16% maybe first number. And the numbers after that somewhere under 10. So again, 16.48, 12.66. And you could use that for your lawn. You could use it for your tomatoes. You could use it for your flowers. You could use it for just about anything you're growing. Okay, now that doesn't mean that all of those fertilizers in your basement have gone out of, have, have expired, they're not in use anymore. They're, they're still useful. And if you had one, for instance, that has a first number, oh, 20 or 25 or 30 or something like that, that's a lawn fertilizer. All lawn fertilizers generally have numbers above 20 or 25. 
And so if you yeah. have a lawn fertilizer, no matter whether it's a Scotts or a Pikes or a Lesco or a Pennington or whoever you have, if it's above 20 or 25, spread it on your lawn. I hope you have some of the label enough you can read it that says how many pounds per thousand square feet you apply the fertilizer. So apply that there. If you have a bag of 10, 10, 10 that has lumps in it that are just you know, too lumpy to go through a spreader, then break them up with a hammer and use that to hand fertilize some of your shrubbery, some of the things that you might need a little extra fertilizer during the year. And you can use the 10, 10, 10 in that way. Every fertilizer can be used. They don't go out of style. They get lumpy sometimes, but you can uh, certainly use them and then get some general purpose 1266 or 1648 and use that the rest of the year. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good talking to you, Richard. Thanks for calling. Martin is in Marietta, Georgia, and has cherry laurels. How many cherry laurels do you have, Martin? Well, these are little versions of cherry laurels. Yeah. They are, by the way, good morning. Good Walter. morning. Good morning, um, Martin. Good to talk to you. I, I probably pluck up maybe a dozen or, you know, it's an endless cycle. I, I, I'm out there with my little... Uh, fork there and mm-hmm. loosen them up and plucking them out. They're only about six inches tall. If I let them go, then I have really difficult time removing them. But I've had this... I don't know where they come from. Ah, there's a cherry laurel tree somewhere there, Richard. You know that. Or Martin, I mean. <laughs> there's a cherry laurel tree. The birds are eating the berries, and then they poop them out wherever they land, and there they are in your yard. Mm-hmm. Well, uh... Other than manually removing them uh, as a as a project, a weekly project, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's been going on for about five years, and uh, my back isn't getting any newer. Well, I mean, theoretically, I guess you could spray them with one of the non-selective herbicides. You, you could use Roundup, of course. You could use one of the broadleaf weed killers you get from the store. But there's a lot of me that says Martin. It's a chance to be outdoors. It's a chance to be in the sunshine. It's a chance to look around and see other things in your garden that need doing and you haven't gotten around to it, haven't noticed them yet. And so there's actually a reason for why pulling up and digging up weeds sometimes is the best thing you can do. Because I've heard it said before that the best fertilizer for your garden is the gardener's shadow. Meaning if you get out there and just do things, putter around, wander through your garden once in a while... You wandering around are going to see things that need doing, need planting, need pruning, need something done to them. And if you do it early, if, as soon as you notice it, then the plants will be that much healthier and that much better behaved in your landscape. So I'm going to say, Martin, the little picker-upper fork thing that you have may be your best friend, the best tool you have. Okay, so there's no magic cure for this, this problem. <laughs> if there yourself. were a cherry laurel be gone, I would tell you, but there's not. Yeah. Okay, coming from the professionals, I have to speed. <laughs> the guy who's been out pulling them and cl- clipping them down and doing things like that for the last 25 years, yes, Martin, I am a professional. I know about your laurel seedlings, and I know where mine come from, and I let them grow because it's a good screen on one side of my property. But, yeah, the seedlings are everywhere. You're right. Okay, have a good day. All right, Martin. Martin doesn't sound so happy. Somehow he sounds defeated. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He'll be okay. Yeah, I think he's going to take care of us. <laughs> but, you know, there are tools. Do you have any special tools, labor that you use in the garden that would be appropriate for digging up cherry laurel, cherry laurel seedlings? So I'm a big fan of my long-handled tools now, uh-huh. um, meaning where I can not use my back so much. Yeah. So I like to just stick a 
pitchfork in the ground, maybe even one of the ones with the smaller tines, yeah. and just pop it out and loosen up the soil. Do you know what a cobra head is? Yes, I yeah, do. A cobra yes. head is a possibility for Martin. That, that would be perfect. Yeah, Martin, if you're still listening, there is a tool called a cobra head weeder. Call that way because it has a little blade on it. It looks like a cobra's head, a snake's head. It does. There's a long handle version and a short handle version. And the long handle version would be perfect for getting those seedlings out of the ground or for any other seedlings for that matter that you might have. So I would say, Martin, look for cobra head weeders. They would be the bee's knees. It's 647. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. My friends feel as their appointed duty. They keep trying to tell me here. All you want to do is use me. Some of the best gardening music on the planet brought to you courtesy of Jason Byers this morning. Weather report brought to you courtesy of Ackerman Security. Today, cloudy, high 72, 20% chance of rain today. Tonight, low of 60, 50% chance of rain, maybe a thunderstorm here and there overnight. Sunday, cloudy, have 81 degrees tomorrow, my friends. It's going to be hot with a little bit of a chance for rain. Then your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Susan, 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 it's finally your turn. Hi, Susan. Susan, please tell me you haven't dropped off the air because she's been waiting 41 minutes there. Susan, are you there? I'm going to put Susan back on hold because we cannot miss her. We've got to talk to Susan. She would kill us if we don't get her done. Uh, let's go to then Dave in Oxford, Georgia. Hey, Dave. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, what's up, Dave? I've been trying to, over the years, get a good stand of crimson clover. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've, uh, in the fall, used a herbicide called Eptam, mm-hmm. and I filed instructions. It was irrigated in. I use a variety called AU Robin because of its quick maturity. But Auburn, good know. Auburn variety there. When it says AU in front of the oh, name, that goodness. is an Auburn-derived <laughs> I, I'm aware plant. of that. Uh, right. I wish some, UGA had something comparable. Yeah. But um, I seem to have an encroachment of this uh, winter weeds, a henbit and a chickweed. Is there any foolproof way or semi-proof foolproof way I can uh, improve the stand of... Uh, the crimson clover. Persistence is probably the best thing to do on the chickweed, the clover, and things like that. The Eptam helps some in controlling the weeds, but it's not the perfect bullet you would like. Uh-huh. Um, and making the clover as vigorous as you can. Are you doing anything to prepare the soil, Dave, to oh, yeah, it up a little it's, bit? Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, it's been you know, tilled up. Yeah, all right. And are you doing this for just ornament or for bees or for oh, deer? Oh, no, or bees. What are you doing uh, I use the inoculum, so okay. you know, I want the nitrogen and everything. But. How big of an uh, plot do you have? Uh, four uh, thousand, five thousand square feet. Ow! That is going to be red crimson yeah. clover day. That's going to be pretty. Yeah. That's going to be it, nice. Well, I, I don't have complete coverage like they do, uh, like they do see in South Georgia, yeah, South Alabama, yeah. Ah, uh, you know, soil preparation. You're doing right. Harrowing, tilling, making it nice and soft for the crimson clover to go in. You're planting it in the fall. That's right. You're working on the the weed control. That's good. You don't fertilize it because 
comes in clover, does its own fertilization. It's a legume, so it gets the nitrogen out of the air, so it doesn't need, need much of anything other than the inoculum, which you've already applied, to make the seeds able to get the nitrogen out of the air. Dave, I cannot improve upon your technique so far. Mm. What mm. about a different herbicide? I don't know. That's mm-hmm. something you need to call... Uh, Ted Wynn is the extension yeah. agent in Covington in Newton sure. County and call Brother sure. Wynn and say, Ted, Walter said you know more than he does about growing crimson clover over this section of the state and get his advice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very All right. good. All right. All right. Thank you for your time. Nothing to do it, Dave. Thanks for calling. Right. 404-872-0750 is the number on lawn and garden. We do not have time. Susan, I promise we're going to get to you. Susan. But you can take a break for about five or ten minutes while we have the news. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden right after news. 